This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. It's David and Kyle with the Power Producers Podcast, where we're refining and redefining the sales game. We have got Mr. Eric Scholey from California with us. What's up, man? Hey, how are you guys doing? Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Listen, I'm good. But once again, I, you know, Kyle can say it for me. I am just dead in the water on the beard game. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's atrocious, man. You are are looking pretty clean and uh, young there. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the whole thing. Even if I had a beard, I wouldn't have a beard. I would just have patches of hair growing sporadically somewhere on my face. But definitely, definitely worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, it I, is. I keep it clean shaven for sure. So, listen, Eric, talk to us. Tell us, you know, give us the backstory. Tell us who you are, where you came from, how you got into insurance first, and then we'll, you know, really dive deep and hear about your agency and kind of what you're doing with your podcast that I know you're building out there. And okay. uh, you know. Talk a little shop. Yeah, would love to. Yeah. So no, my name's uh, Eric Scholey. I own Sky Insurance Brokers. Uh, we're, we're based out of Sacramento, California. Uh, so grew up in this area. I've been pretty much a California person my entire life. Had a short one-year stint in Oregon where I uh, went to college. But other than that, this has been my hometown. So I have not moved very far from uh, <laughs> from where I grew up from. But uh, yeah, got the insurance industry in 2007. Um, really got into it. I was excited to become a financial advisor. So that was the route. I was going to go down that road, started with New York life. I had to go the life insurance game, get the securities license. Um, But ended up finding out that I really enjoyed insurance, which was really not where I was trying to go. It's the last thing I wanted to do, to be honest with you, when I started. But uh, yeah, I got into it and uh, started doing well. Uh, Moved into management at Mass Mutual and then realized uh, corporate America was not for me. Um, you know, just going through the, the daily processes of that and all the red tape and just the way that uh, business was conducted was just uh, not something that was exciting me on a daily basis or somewhere where I wanted to go. So 2011, decided to, to, to make the jump and go completely independent. Started my agency. We actually started as a financial and life insurance agency, uh, but right away started adding personal lines, commercial and uh, group benefits. And then those sides of the business just drastically took off. Um, we've just been on an incredible growth curve for basically the last decade almost. Um, ended up parting with my security side uh, in 2014. Um, just make that yeah, decision. like seriously, man, why even screw with that and all of the regulation and everything? Exactly you, can't even, you can't even send out a reasonable email to somebody without having the Pope bless it, I think. No, it's you're crazy. right. I something on homeowner's insurance and it was declined. I, I got flagged and asked to take it down. They wanted me to shut down my Facebook account. I just said, there's, there's no way to market or grow. And it was, so, it became such a small side of our business that long-term it just, it wasn't making sense because we weren't all in on that side. So you're exactly right. The regulations were crazy. So, but yeah, so we've just been growing and uh, you know, things are good and we have a, a solid team out here and uh, yeah, just really enjoying the ride right now. That's, that's you guys got a new building not too long ago, didn't you? Yeah, so we uh, we we opened a second location. So um, we ended up purchasing an agency out in 
this area called Chico and, and Paradise. You guys might have heard of Paradise. It was one of the historic fires in California a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Um, they've done a documentary on Netflix and all of that where the whole entire town and everything burned down. Um, that's about an hour and a half away from Sacramento. Mm. Um, so through all of that, that area was hit really hard. Um, you can imagine and the agency owners were hit really hard, uh, both personally and professionally from really just a, um, emotional state, right. Dealing with the, 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 the trauma that was there and clients. So listen, man, here's a question and this is legit. Is there mm-hmm. anything more helpless of a feeling and let's take the fact that if you see something happening to your kid and you can't dive across a parking lot to stop it. But I mean, as, as an adult, is there any more helpless of a feeling than knowing there's a natural disaster impending around you coming to take everything that you've ever owned or created and you can't do anything at all to stop it? I because know. we deal with that with the hurricanes, right? It's a white knuckle ride. You never know yep. what's going to happen. And I mean, to me, the wildfires are even worse because they could, you know, they could Way start less predictable. out. Yeah. Not be anywhere near relevant. And then the next thing, you know, you got fire barking at your back door. Yeah. I mean, no, it's exactly right. It is. It's a very scary feeling that unfortunately a lot of people in California between, you know, the fires and the earthquakes, that's just something that we have to just deal with out here. And it, it is, it is a tremendous, uh, helpless feeling. That's just sad. So when you see people go through it, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. I mean, the stories that I've heard and seen and some of our own clients, we had some total losses in that fire. Um, it was just, it was really bad. So you said you started as a, you know, a financial advisor firm, you know, doing the life insurance and life insurance. And then it, the personal lines, commercial and group benefits just took off. What do you attribute that to? Um, a good question. I think it just, we found our groove there. So I, I brought on the, the personal lines, my idea behind that was it was going to help me recruit really good life agents because life agents are always chasing first year commissions, right? So it's always, you know, going after building that book of business and, and, and driving those opportunities. So originally my, my small thought was, hey, if I bring this on, it'll allow them to build a residual book and I can go after some, some really big hitters. Um, but, but really, yeah, we just, we just found our groove in it and we just found out that, um, you know, my network and my, relationships. Um, and we have really good agents here as well. Um, just, just really took off from the very beginning. And since now it's just evolved. It's really a team effort across the board. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just really growing the community. We just found a need. And I think just like everything, you know, there's opportunities locally here. Um, you know, there, there's definitely a very competitive marketplace here, but just like everywhere, we had a lot of agencies that were, were probably, I would consider older agencies that were just more relaxed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a good opportunity or good timing for a really hungry, you know, team to come after there and really gain some market share. And that's what we did. So it was a, you know, a good time for us and it's continuing to be a good ride for us. I'm interested on the, so how long ago did you make that acquisition? Was, has it been a year? Uh, it was actually the actual, the acquisition was December 31st was, we started talking last year, but yeah, it was December 31st was the acquisition. Um, and we actually retained the owner. She's second generation of the agency. So her father started it. It's been there for about 35 years, um, really involved in the community. Um, and then we retained her as an agent with us. So she mans that location out there in the Chico area. That was our second location. Um, but she's, you know, fully, fully under our, our team now and part of our agency and just is a producer for us. So she, she moved out of the ownership agency owner role. Um, and I think it was just from, like I said, the things that she's had to deal with the last couple of years, it just sort of wearing her down. And she wanted to get back to just producing and doing insurance and, and not worried about the industry, technology, you know, all the stuff you have to do when you're running the agency. Uh, so, yeah, December 31st. Interesting. So, you know, you're not even at a point where you can start measuring retention and stuff like that yet. I mean, you've got to let it Correct. probably run for at least a year. Exactly. But you can you can probably see some level of impact in the six or seven months that you've had it on what kind of growth they're seeing or what kind of net net new, right? I mean, yeah. are you, are you pushing the envelope and growth on the acquisition so far? Yeah. So it's, this one's been kind of a unique one because we had to actually dissect the books to an extent because there were still, even though I never, I never look at the books. When no, I no. Them. I mean, in a, in a way that you maybe not, you wouldn't in other, in other situations, because even though the fire was over two years ago, there's still a lot of open claims going on right now. Um, so there's those situations we had to kind of pill those out of the acquisition 
Um, are you guys partying right now? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're always partying. It's always a party, man. Yeah. Um, no, but, uh, but yeah, so we had to peel those back. So we had to make sure that we weren't taking ones that had open claims or in some cases possible litigation, right? So um, there's just been big issues there on the Department of Insurance, and it's kind of a mess in some of those cases, but we had to be very strategic. So working through that, yeah, it's created a huge opportunity, and a big portion for me was – I want to retain her as an agent because she's really well known. It's a small community. Yeah. She's really well known. So that helps us with that retention and getting our name out and just becoming part of that community now is look, we have her with us as well. Now it's not just us coming in and taking over. That's cool. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how that plays out over time. Obviously we want all the best for you. Yeah. But I always That's the biggest thing that, you know, for me from an acquisition standpoint, I would always be, concerned about I, I would be more concerned about retention than I would be liabilities, although I would also be concerned about any liabilities. I just I think that's probably the one thing that freaks me out is okay, what happens if I buy this and like for year one I lose fifty percent of it. Correct. Correct. And I was worried about that, especially in the smaller towns, because they want to work with people they know that live in that community. So all of a sudden it's a different name. So we we had to really think through the message, the story, you know, we wrote a, a pretty nice letter and message behind it. We did a co-branding piece before the actual transition happened. Um, it was met with phone calls. So we made sure that we were walking through and letting them know kind of the process, how we're doing it, because that was a, a key concern for us is they were going to go to the next local broker that's been in that community for a long time. And, and you know, we might see a substantial drop off. But so far, it hasn't been the case. It's been, it's been really good. And we've been able to kind of enhance um, the way they do business because they were they were uh, you know a three person operation, not a lot of technology, um, and not that we have a ton of technology, but we definitely have more systems in place. So I know the client experience is probably a little little more different. Uh, you know we have a service department and everything here, so it's just uh, a little more hands on, I think, which is probably nice for them. Being that it's so fresh, I'd, I'd like to get your perspective on it. Um, like what your biggest piece of advice would be for somebody looking to you know, maybe make an acquisition. I know we've had other yeah. uh, agency owners what are you, on here. Are you, the, you looking to make huh? the acquisition that yeah, I don't know go. about? Yeah, I like, yeah. It. I like it. Let's do it, dude. Well, I mean, I mean, you've got to think like you guys were just talking about steps ahead. So it's not just, oh, finding the finding the, the agency and and bringing them on board or acquiring them. It's it's how are you going to communicate that message <laughs> to the clients? How are you going to roll that out? Um, and then what is your retention plan? Um, and then what's the affordability option? Cause if you are paying, some of these are at a premium now, right now with the current state of market. And like David was just saying, you know, you, you come up with a pretty large amount of money that you're, you're, you're spending on this. And all of a sudden, you know, in year one, the retention falls off 35 or 40%. You know, how are you going to navigate that? And ultimately, can you afford that? Right. The Apollo 13, what's the worst case scenario that can happen? Because the worst thing would do is to acquire something that maybe is a, a quite a reach for you something like that occurs and now you don't have, you know, the revenue to support the expense that you just did and really the bandwidth that the extra work's going to be on, on board. So weighing all those out is really, really important. It's not just the excitement of getting the number and the new clients. Yeah, that's cool. I just thought of something that's more helpless than a natural disaster. Oh goodness. What if you were in that spaceship that had just landed in that thing was spinning and it got out of its gravitational orbit and you just saw the earth getting smaller and smaller as time went on. That is horrifying. You just know it's over. Yeah. You just got to try to enjoy the view and calm yourself down as you're like, I don't even know what happens at that point because like on Jupiter, I think I weigh 5,000 pounds or something (laughs) like that. Like all those different forces. Your cartilage and ligaments would be uh, severely hurting at that point in time. Uh, all, all of those are gone for you anyhow. Yeah, I've, I've done enough to destroy my body. You're bone so, on bone? But, oh, yeah. Much, I've, yeah. I've got bone on, bone on bone. bone. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you know, the doctor came in. He's like, look, you got to go ahead and take care of yourself and drop some, some LBs because if you don't, you're going to have to have a knee replacement in five years. He said, you're going to have to have a knee replacement anyhow, but you're going to have to have one in five years if you don't do something. And um, yeah, that's not really what I was looking to have have happen in right. five years because no. that would almost guarantee if I live any kind of a life, I'll have to have another knee replacement and I'll be like 80. Well, that's what they're probably trying to stretch it out because you'd be young for a knee replacement. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I need to I need to just keep hitting it hard and, and dropping. How's that whole 30 going? 
drill, just drilling it. Yeah, really part of that, right? I saw you post about that. August first. Yeah, I'm. I'm. We're on point, man. I've I don't know if I lose though. any weight. I, I don't know if I'll lose any weight or not because I can't weigh myself for thirty days. But uh, oh, I know oh. that I'll be completely detoxed for sure. Right. Yeah, I, I've got to think that there's. Uh, oh, true. I've, I've got to think that there's some pretty decent recipes. I think we have it like a whole 30 book down in our kitchen I've, that I have never opened and uh, maybe, yeah. maybe won't ever open, but you're, you're that couple. I'll just take, who has I'll just take your word for it. No, dude, I mean, you, like at least has done better, keto yeah. and all that. Like that's her thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm skinny. So like, whatever, bro. <laughs> he is. And he eats chick Chick-fil-A. Like he's got a hollow leg. Hell yeah. I was yeah. pissed that the line was so long yesterday. That's I had to get a T flats. Yeah, you and me both, man. So, Tom, you listen, your your branding's on point, man. You guys Thank do you. a really good job with the touch and the feel, your use of video and things are good. Yep. Talk a little bit about that journey and how that's evolved over the course of the last little bit. Because I know yeah. if you're anything like me, it's kind of like just sort of try the, and then all yeah. of a sudden, once you start figuring one thing out, you figure out the next and it sort of plays off of each other. Yeah, no, that's a, uh, yeah. So, and thank you for that. But yeah, for the last couple of years, you know, it's been a, a very focused effort um, to, to use social media, to, to, to get our name out there, to be visible personally, um, as well as our agency, um, just in the community and in the, really the business community as well. Um, so it's something that, you know, a couple of years ago I had to get over, which I think a lot of, I talked to a lot of people that are, you know, I wish I used social media more. I wish I could do what you, you know, do posting stuff and all of that. But I just I'm uncomfortable with it. I don't want to use it for business or what have you. And really, even three or four years ago, I probably was more in that boat as well, where, you know, there's do I cross this over? Is this appropriate? Um, does it look like I'm trying to toot my own horn? I mean, what's what's going on here? Um, and a few years ago, I just made the effort that, OK, I'm going to get selfish about this. And really, my mind shift was is my Facebook post and my Facebook feed that I can scroll through now for the last couple of years is really, I'm just documenting my journey. So I just think of it as a scrapbook that I'm creating for myself. Other people can check it out, but really I want to see where I'm driving and building this agency, the people I've met along the way, the ventures that I've created with people. Um, and that's, that's what my mindset is going into posts. So now even on a given day, I could scroll back to last year and oh, I remember when I was doing this, or I remember when I was working with this person and bring you back to those times and get in that mindset. So for me, that was a big shift. That's just really allowed me um, to, to really get active and, and consistent with it. Right. I mean, as you know, it's consistency is key on all of those. Well, you know, it's funny, man, because my mom made some sort of a, a remark to me one time about posting so much stuff on Facebook and my, Shut my up, mom. Yeah. yeah. Like really, why, A, why do you even have Facebook? <laughs> 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 like I'm it's it's like why would I have Snapchat? You know, that let me translate that for everybody. Yes. But um I'm guessing I told her, I bet my, my answer, no, I do not have TikTok. <laughs> I get to you light up the TikTok circuit. Getting shut down, man. <laughs> yeah, but so but I, I basically gave her the exact same answer that you did, right? I mean, it is it's pretty cool to be able to get those memories from a decade ago. Yeah. And and what's crazy is I don't know if look, I don't know anything about like circadian rhythms and all of that kind of crap, but I know that my, in biorhythms and, and whatever, I know that I am a ridiculously consistent person when I see my Facebook memories for the day. And two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, I had the exact same meal that I was planning on having for dinner tonight. Yeah. Right. That freaks your head out a little bit. But I think it, yeah, I think it's pretty cool to see like where things have come, you know, obviously with kids, I like to see how fast the kids have grown, but you know, in the agency world, even I remember, man, like this time four years ago, it was me in the dining room, Yeah, right? It was me in the dining room and, uh, you know, I had Modmaster and broker briefcase and and a telephone and wore out some shoe leather, but I mean... (laughs) It's it's been a wild ride in four years. Yeah, you know, and everything I thought that I could accomplish, but it's still kind of surreal when you actually see it happen the way you envisioned it happening. No, you're exactly right. That's and that's where I think these can be utilized as just like I said, a giant timeline scrapbook for you to 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 see that evolution of that journey. 
Um, now the Russians also like that scrap. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they're not at all. They're, oh yeah. They're scraping data like crazy. <laughs> they know everything about me. I'm, I'm an open book here. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I quit caring about that a long time ago. If you think I got something you want, come and get it. No, that's what I said. I have nothing to hide. And at this point with all the technology, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be sitting here talking to someone and all of a sudden my Apple watch will go, I didn't hear you. What was that? And it's like, Oh, yeah. I'll talk louder so they can hear me better. So um, you know, there, there's so much technology. They're always watching, listening. And I just, I just had to get over that. Cause if you go down that, you go down that hole, you can really scare yourself. And, uh, next thing you know, I'm living in a, a one bedroom cabin in the mountains, not talking to anyone <laughs> off the grid. So I'm not going that route. <laughs> with, with no possessions aside from a Brock Lesnar doll. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, so, you know, interesting, um, with with the journey in the marketing piece because i'm i'm kind of the same way once you make you know I, i'm the same way with anything once i make the decision that i'm going to do something it's pedal to the metal Correct. right there is there is no no dipping your toe in the water no i don't have a second third and fourth gears <laughs> okay i'm the same we way. Go straight straight from first to fifth and then you know we'll we'll figure it out along the way but um i'm interested now because i've obviously with social and the fact that you are a living scrapbook, Eric, and we can all just go to your timeline and see what's going on. I know you've made some upgrades in some investments in technology. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and what that's done yeah. for the agency and kind of what you see happening as a result? No, absolutely. So I'm kind of, I would consider myself a little later to the game in this than a lot of, you know, yourself included and some other uh, agency owners that I, I talk to frequently across the country. Um, but yeah, I just saw our agency's growth year over year um, it has been good. Um, but also growth became, started becoming an issue last couple of years where it started to scare me and an extent of, of, whoa, how are we going to scale this properly? Right. It started wearing on our client experience possibilities. Um, but, but more importantly, or as importantly, um, our, our culture and my, my team's experience. Right. So it started really wearing on them, um, overloading them, and I realize either, okay, we can continue to keep hiring, which is expensive, right? Continue to build that overhead. And then is it, are we really fixing the problem or just throwing band-aids at the problem at that point? Or do we really dive in and, and really figure out technology and get some rock solid systems in place that are scalable um, and replicatable um, so we can really build out that client experience, but also the workflow processes from our agency. Um, so that's, that's what was exciting because we've been doing so well. And in my, my, in my opinion, like I, the analogy I use is, you know, we were using a wood bat when everyone was had aluminum bats, right? So they were smoking the ball quite a bit further on, on some of the pitches. So, uh, so for us last, last couple of years, I really decided to take a deep dive, evaluate, um, you know, what technologies are out there and, and really, really go down that rabbit hole. Um, luckily, you know, there's a lot of amazing agency owners across the country, you know, in the associations and groups that, that we, the circles we run in. Um, that are open books, right? So they're they're willing to help, willing to talk. Um, and the exciting thing is, you know, the insurance industry, like probably every industry out there, just, you know, technology is really, really gaining fast. And there's a lot of cool things coming out. And there's obviously the shiny object syndrome too, which I went down. I probably spent way more money and time on systems and applications that I never even used or implemented, but it was just exciting to have and test out without ever rolling them out. I think that's also, you know, if there's a downside to social media and other agents and agencies having access to each other out there, I think that part of it creates the cool kids club too, yep. right? So you see people who make stupid decisions for their agencies <laughs> because everybody else is doing it and they 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 don't want to miss out. It's FOMO, man. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I, I, I can attest to that, and I am also guilty of that. So after I went a few years back, I went to that, my first. Hey, I'm, gu- I'm guilty of it. I'm, yeah. I'm guilty of it. That's why we have personal lines. No, exactly. now. <laughs> I was afraid I was missing out on something everybody else had. You built the whole department out. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I, I came back, and I remember just, I got to get this. I got to get this. Oh, this agency's doing this. I got to implement this. And I was just drowning and not implementing anything, and, and it was causing extra stress and then you know, and taking me off my game and really our focus and direction. And I, I know I was stressing out the team because I'm rolling out new ideas every month without zero consistency. Um, so I had to take a step back about a, you know, a year and a half, two years ago and say, okay, what do we really need? Let's get the FOMO out of here and let's focus and, and really build what our agency needs and, and that can play to our strengths because we, 
you know, have a lot of good things working and what can we do to complement that? And that's really the road we've gone down to. So, you know, one of the systems that I settled on um, is better agency. Um, so that was one that came out. We've been, we've been playing around with it, um, building out the sales pipelines, the service pipelines, um, really have the team on board. Um, it got to the point where actually about a month ago, I just, you know, I asked, uh, you know, a couple of the, the team members there, Hey, can I just fly down to Phoenix and just sit in a hotel room for a couple of days with you guys and just really drill down on some questions that I have. Um, and really let's just do a deep dive so I can get a hundred percent comfortable with the processes here. Um, so we can just launch everything that the system has to offer because I was still not fully utilizing it because there might've been trust issues or fears on my part of just, you know, turning these switches on and now the automation's going out everywhere. But, but I know what it's capable of. I know where it's going to go and it's exciting to start rolling it out in our agency. Um, so that, that's been a, a key, key point for us, um, within our agency and the technology side. Good deal. Were you using any kind of a CRM or anything like that before? Uh, we use PipeDrive, uh, but again, we just use that probably five percent of its capabilities. No automation. Um, we we did we did a lot of manual stuff here for the client experience. That, like I said, I was just realizing wouldn't be scalable long term. You know, our team. You know, we have about fifteen people here in the agency, and it was still just getting way over our head as as it was. You know, the scalability part was was starting to to go. So it seems like that's pretty common. I mean, that's kind of the situation that we've talked about ourselves being in where we're only using whatever, 20% of HubSpot. It's just like something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, so true. And that's, that's kind of where, where we're at. We're continuing to roll out and it's just, I know where we're going and that's, what's exciting. Now I have a, a, a true game plan and teams on board. We're all, we're all rolling out together. So it's, it's, it's exciting stuff going on our agency right now. Well, it makes you a smarter operator too, right? Because yeah. now you have the ability to get reporting that you may not have had before. You can look at campaigns that are working versus aren't working. You can dial in on the demographics. I, don't, I mean, you probably you may very well be doing a lot of this stuff already, but it's I wasn't. Just, no, I when wasn't. you go Actually, when you go from yeah. not having anything, and I mean, I'm in the same boat, man. Um, you know, I've been in the industry 17 years, and of those 17. The only time I've had like a full blown CRM has been since two years. Yeah. Or last year, not even two years, year year and a half. Right. And that's, I've known that I needed it and I screamed, kicked and screamed about it at the agency I was at prior for eight years and it never got done. And, you know, it was something that I was committed to because look, you know, I started running my operations experience is running grocery stores and super targets. So you have to know P&L, you have to know budgeting, you have to be able to read reports and be able to adjust schedules and, I mean, cut costs everywhere and do all those things. And so for me to be able to to run my business and have that dashboard and the reports to generate, to make educated decisions, it's not difficult at that point, right? We But we make it way too hard. And, I mean, I was talking to a guy yesterday who um, – he he owns an agency and he's a friend of mine and he was asked, he was talking about, you know, why he can't focus on, you know, just certain classes of business, meaning pick four or five classes of commercial business out. And that's what you're going to focus on and do because he said, I have to try and get as whatever I can in the door because I'm trying to pay the bills and do all of this. So I have to write what I can't be picky and I couldn't disagree with him more. Right. And so it's, I, I let him talk and make his case. And I said, so let me ask you a question because we had already talked about like four or five. I, I have a mentor relationship with this guy. We had four, we had um, talked about four or five accounts that were high premium accounts for him, hundred plus thousand in premium, but he didn't get any of them. And so I asked him, like, how much time did you spend working on those? Right. And, you know, and then how much revenue did you get? And he said, well, I didn't get any. I said, that's my point. You know, you're working for zero dollars an hour. (laughs) Obviously, the strategy is not working. You know, I'd at least like to see you be a little higher than that. And, And the point is, you know, that's why I think that when you can get dialed in and you can have as I mean, I will take every ounce of analytics I can ever get, right? Because I that just helps me. Like I'm completely fascinated. I played baseball my entire life. 
I'm just completely fascinated with all of these stats that they have now from the sabermetric stuff that just came out of nowhere, right? The launch angle. I mean, everything. I know. Like, what does that even mean? You know? <laughs> yeah. Same I mean, thing in golf, man. It's the same thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's so funny. I have to share this story at my own expense, but. So we have a membership to a very, very nice and very well-known country club that's about an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes away from where my office is. A little closer to Kyle, probably an hour from from the office that he's in. But um, I was all about it. Like, this was it. I was coming back out. I was going to start taking lessons, hit the range, three, four days. Like, I was ready to go. And then I saw that they were announcing the Titleist club fitting. So I'm like, yep, that's it. That's the only hole in my game. I got to get custom clubs. I got to go get measured for them, right? So I drove. I got up on a Saturday morning and I drove for an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes up to this club to stand in line in front of a bunch of people who are way better, way better at golf than what I am, and then be fitted for custom clubs. I had no idea what that meant. I thought maybe he'd measure my forearm, maybe my grip, whatever. <laughs> like I, I didn't realize I was going to be hitting golf Dude, balls. Hang on a second. You, you think that the way they figure out how what clubs you should is to say, "Hey, let me see those forearms, kid. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me measure those bad boys." Yeah, you got a you got a you got a dinner jacket with it. So <laughs> yeah, well, no, I want to. Maybe they're like measuring length. I don't know, man. You know, like I said, I'm telling the story at my own expense. <laughs> forearm measurements. Excuse me, sir. I'm going to need to see your forearms. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show you my freaking forearms <laughs> but so anyhow um i just was blown away that like all of the technology the technology they had around fitting you for golf clubs yeah so anyhow the funny part of the story is not about my forearms actually although they were involved um i get up there and he gives me i play left-handed so if i were to look like straight ahead of me like and then go 15 degrees this way was the cart barn about 150 yards from where I was standing. If that, maybe not even that, probably 75 yards, Yes, 75 yards tops. So he hands me the club and I rear back and I've got all these old codgers looking and I'm like, I am going to just, I was, I was ready to nail it. And I shot it off the toe and I buzzed the tower in the cart barn. Like that thing was, it was so almost impossible to hit that you can't even believe that I was able to do it. It, the ball never made it. like if anybody was standing in there, they would have dead. been dead because it never made it before more than five and a half feet off the ground. Holy so God. I tee up the next one to hit it. And I did the exact same thing. <laughs> like, dude, this club is not the one for me. Yeah. It's it just, it was insane. But uh, you know, just all of that technology, we can measure everything at this point. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's, what's crazy in, in, you know, I think, one of the things that frustrates me the most about our industry is the lack of willingness to adopt change and, abdo- and adopt technology. Correct. Because I don't think it's just, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people talk about technology and the insurance industry and everything else. And, you know, it's we're lagging, we're behind, whatever. I don't think that's the problem. I mean, it, it certainly could be part of it. But the other part of it is we're not going to attract the best technology providers until we show them we're going to adapt and adopt technology at the rate other industries yeah, do. Right. Exactly. You know, that that is just that, that's always blown my mind. And, you know, when somebody says, well, I don't have money you know, to go out and buy a CRM. What do you mean you don't have money to go out and organize every contact that it, I mean, like it, it just, the amount of money it doesn't even, you, yeah, exactly. It I doesn't think still resonate. People have like that image of insurance, like an insurance salesman in their head where it's just like the old dude with the elbow patches on the blazer and his, in his little briefcase or whatever. Like I, I, I still think that people view it that way. But you'd and, be surprised. And, I mean, you guys come across, there's still a substantial amount of agencies that are like that. Like right here. Uh, we'll go in. I was actually looking at one at the beginning of this year to possibly purchase that still had all paper files, everything. They would so gross. go look up the drawer. They would pull it out. They still had a fax machine. I mean, it was just unbelievable. That's how they worked. Fax. Fax is the best. They, they had, I mean, for them, they had, a, I think, almost two million. Typewriter. Surprised me at that scale. And it was just, uh, it was unbelievable. You're, you're right. So this agent, this industry, people have that perception. But there's still a, a decent percentage that is that right. perception. It's exactly. Crazy. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, it's not even a perception; it's a reality. Yeah, right. It's nuts. And I mean, you know, again, I've said this time and time again over the course of the last couple of weeks. But I think COVID is going to be natural selection for our industry. Yeah. I think that you're going to find, you know, to sort of counter your point earlier, where we've been in a period where agency valuations have been, in my opinion, in some cases, artificially high. I think you're going to see a surplus of agencies come onto the market. And if not agencies, just people who have books of business or whatever else that they've held onto that they just don't want to deal with anymore. And I think I think that the supply is getting ready to supersede the demand. I really do, because what I do know is this. People have been forced into the technological dilemma if they're not ready to do this. Exactly. We haven't lost business because we have technology that allows us to continue to do business. A lot of agencies couldn't do that. Correct. You know, and so I think that the ones that don't re- that that haven't adapted, you know, are probably going to have a decision to make. They're either going to adapt and try and fight it out. I don't think they have the fight in them. You know, a lot of these people are long in the tooth. They're ready. You know, already got one foot out the door. Anyhow, they're probably just as happy to say, you know what, I get it. I'll just take one X. I'm out. You know, whatever. But. That's what I'm sitting back waiting to see is what happens over the next 12 to 18 months because I think that acquisition market's going to change. And I agree with you 100%. And that's what I'm I'm actually trying to position ourselves. I've, I've been freeing up some capital for exactly that reason because I think we'll see a shift. People are just fundamentally changing the way they do work right now. And uh, some of them, it's just it's also taking the wind out of their sails where, where the momentum's gone. Um you know, we, we were talking before you got on about how busy both of our agencies are right now. I said, I know we're, we're crazy busy right now, but I know that there's other agencies that have literally seen a drop off to nothing. And it's just because either their mindset, their drive, um, you know, they've, they've really kind of rolled into a, a ball on this COVID thing. And I think for some of them, it's going to be hard for them to restart that engine. And that burnout factor is just going to be there. And then, like you said, then coupled with the reality that, man, a lot of things have changed over this last year. Technology-wise, client yeah. experience, client expectation-wise, um, and well, I mean, and that, listen, man, that's that's a big thing, right? The client experience piece of it is huge because what's going to happen is these people don't have the ability to do video proposals and all of the other things that we all have. You know, that I have the capability yeah. of doing. I'm sure you do too. You know, they don't have the ability to do that. So everybody's shopping, right? That's the one thing I can tell you. Everybody's at home. Apparently, it's like the top five things to do when you can't do anything else is you shop your homeowners and auto insurance. So everybody's shopping. And guess what? They're either going to get an answering system or a sorry, we're not open right now or whatever else. Or they're going to get somebody who has technology and systems in place. They're going to get one taste of that and they're out. The old way of doing business is over. 100%. I completely agree with you on that. So I think it's weird, you know, because sort of thrown out of nowhere, we've been forced into an environment where, you know, this is what everybody's predicting. You have to be ready for, you have to be ready for, and you better move so that you're ready for the, and then COVID happened and it's like, oh crap, I thought we had like two or three more years for all this. Exactly. Things as simple as webcams. You couldn't even buy a webcam. I don't know if you can now or not, but yeah, I would have, should have put money into Logitech. That and toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Coors Light. I guess they stopped uh, production for a while. So we had a Coors Light shortage out here in California on, on taps. That was devastating for me. There is Un- no way there's no way that COVID could live in that mountain freshness. <laughs> there's no way. Every tap was out. But it was bad. <laughs> Actually, it might have been good depending on your perspective of Coors Light. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I'm You're a not Coors a silver Light bullet guy. guy. I'm a Coors Light guy. Yeah, it's interesting. I know a lot of people who are. I just like a never. Thing. Yeah, or a, a water and alcohol thing. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, talk a little bit about your podcast, man. I know you guys are doing some stuff to help get some exposure to uh, businesses out your way. I've listened to several of the episodes um, and just interested in kind of what your thoughts are around that and how uh, how it's affected you. Yeah, no. So, yeah, our our podcast was something that came about because of COVID, um, but it was really kind of coupled with, we've had a motto in our agency and we use it for a lot of branding called refuse to be average. So it's something that I tag and hashtag on basically everything. Um, we have shirts made, you know, a lot of customers and people in the community love, love the swag of it, but it's something that our agency are, is, is known for. And it's really a rally cry for our agency and culture. Um, so 
you know, it's something that's in our DNA. But then when this COVID thing came about, you know, I was witnessing a lot of businesses in different industries that obviously were adapting, having to adapt. And just like we were just talking about the insurance industry with tech, you know, restaurants were forced to, you know, adapt. And some of them didn't want to. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of closures in our area, I'm sure in your area as well, where where they just couldn't survive. Um, and there's a lot of factors that go into that, but ultimately they might've either been unwilling to adapt, slow to adapt, or obviously there's other circumstances that could have came into play there. But, um, and I just found it fascinating. So I thought this would be a perfect time. We recently hired a, um, an internal marketer here that does video stuff for us. And he actually has podcast creating background. He actually has his own and all that. So he was talking to me about, it. I said, this would be a perfect formula, kind of the perfect storm. So we played off our company motto and and our rally cry that refused to be average play and decided, hey, let's just turn this into a podcast. For me, I don't do it to really market insurance whatsoever. Um, it's really just to allow people in our community just to get their story out and and just hear what they're doing right now. Um, so right now it's been focused, you know, we started it in, I believe, April. It's been focused all around kind of COVID and, and how their industry and business is affected and things they've done to maintain um, after this, you know, after COVID, whenever this time is, you know, we'll see what it evolves to, but really it's just showcasing certain, you know, people that I feel are not average in their industry. Um, you know, so we, we've, we've brought on some, some mortgage people to talk about what's going on in the market, real estate, obviously, and how their industry has drastically changed selling the homes. But we brought on a, you know, a, a really popular restaurant here in the Sacramento area and things that they did to adapt, um, because the restaurant market was one of the industries hit really, really hard. Um, you know, so it just allowed us, we brought on a, you know, uh, an individual is actually a family member of mine who has a, had a really big operation. He did a spray tanning solution really globally. Right. So you'd sell to salons and mobile spray tanners. Well, obviously that industry kind of came to a screeching halt, uh, because people aren't going on vacation right. and they couldn't, you know, the salons were all shut down basically around the country. Um, so people last thing they were thinking about is I need to get my spray tan done right now. Um, so what they did is, you know, they, they recreated, he has a factory down in Long Beach, California, and they ended up, you know, turning their factory and creating sanitizer and, and disinfectant spray and the dis and disinfectant spray can be used in their same spray guns they do to do the, um, you know, mobile spray tanning. So he created almost an industry now for these mobile spray tanners to go out and disinfect businesses and got them all certified on it and stuff like that. So it was just neat. Huh. We were able to pivot and now they're flourishing in this marketplace and they're selling out everything. So it's just, uh, you know, it's just interesting to see how people evolve in the industries and how they're being affected. So really that was the idea and brainchild behind the, the podcast. Um, it's been really fun. I think we've recorded eight or nine now, um, but it's just great to sit down with individuals for, you know, a roughly an hour and just kind of like what we're doing here is just, is just chat. Yeah. And for me, it's not the industry I'm in. So I'm, it's fascinating for me now to learn, you know, the intricacies of their industry and things that they've had to do to pivot. Um, and it's just, it's been really nice. So it's just allowing me here locally right now. It's more local people in Northern California, um, just to really showcase and get their stories out. And, and that's really what it's been focused. But so we call it the refuse to be average podcast. It was, you know, we had the artwork already done cause we have it here at our company. So, uh, we just kind of played on that and just enrolled with it. It worked really well. So it's been fun. Man, it's fun. You know who else refused to be average? Who's that? That little that little boy that kept his sister from getting mauled by the dog. Have you seen this kid on the news? Oh yeah, dude, for dude, sure. All of the Avengers called him individually yesterday Did to wish really? him a happy birthday. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty cool. To, but holy crap, this kid's like trained in jujitsu, and I mean, like, I can't even imagine because he was like six or seven, right? Wasn't the sister? Yeah, and he's like yeah, seven, so he's not even and a he, kid. Yeah, he was like a little kid. <laughs> yeah, mold, I it, like like I couldn't imagine what his face looked like before the surgery because it looks like they had to graft yeah some skin because he's got a patch. It kind of looks like Jose Aldo a little bit, the UFC fighter who has that same smooth patch right there. But um, yeah, I, I saw him on the on the thing last night where the Avengers were calling him, and I'm just thinking, I I can't even what you know. That's just how do you what runs definitely your not average. I mean, as you, as his father, how proud of you are are you of your son, a six year old right. son that already has that call to action as a protector, especially on his little sister. And I I just I couldn't even imagine that was such a uh, neat story. 
Yeah, and I want to yeah. know like the circumstances around it because as an armchair TV watcher, I want to know where the heck the dad was. You know, yeah. it's great to be proud. What are you sitting there popping butt heavies on the porch, raising them up because your boy did a good job? I mean, yeah, where was he? Should have been the one in there. Come on, dad, where are you at? That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I wonder what 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 happened to that dog after the fact. Oh, <laughs> I can tell you. Listen, I can tell you what would have Old happened yeller. to that dog. I thought. That- yeah, if it was my kids, yeah, I would. There's, yeah, there's no. Listen, doubt. I went. Was it something. their dog? That I, I didn't know that part. Oh, was it theirs? I don't, I don't know. know. That's what I'm, I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Family dog. I'm not. sorry, I can't go on that conjecture. I um, <laughs> I, no, I was asking had, a question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't. I can't answer that. I'll do some research and get back to you. Um, Thank you. The um, when Caroline was born. I was going to take Ethan or no Grayson to the uh, hospital to go pick her up. And we have a next door. Our next door neighbor has a a freaking pit bull that is just foul. It's nasty. Mm. I mean, and um, just gross. Like not even, I don't know about fighting and all that. He's just a gross looking dog. Um, Scary. So he, um, we were walking out to the car and the thing freaking darts over from my neighbor's yard and attacks Grayson and latches onto his arm. And I'm like, you've got Guns dude, coming I, out, dude. You gun have coming no, out. And there was no time. Off. There's no time for the gun to come out. Number one. Number no, no, two, no. I'm like not, the next day I'm going over there. Yeah. I'm shooting. Well, in the what face. did happen? Yeah. What did happen was I gave that thing the world's fastest atomic elbow. <laughs> like you've never seen somebody's elbow come out and just, I, I dude, I went full, boom like wwe style and i got it to release and then i rolled over again and double donkey kicked it to get it off me and i picked up grayson and by then the there's nothing t- worse than a double donkey kick oh that's a, wow. that's one of the most devastating moves ever <laughs> the double donkey kick yeah i just crush it right so donkey kick's probably not the right answer because you have to really be on all fours to do the donkey kick that's kind of on my side Anyhow, neighbor comes out and I just lost it. And I basically told him that I was going to turn his dog into a science experiment. But first, I need to go pick up my new do- newborn daughter from the hospital. But I mean, it's it's a helpless feeling, man. And yeah. I mean, you, you, the thing is, I, you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting to study the psychology behind. That. Hang on a second. Um, is the dog still there? Like, what's what's the deal? I think it's dead. I didn't kill it, but I don't. I've not seen it in years. Okay. Um. But yeah, I think it would be interesting to study that psychology, that sort of fight or flight and what makes people make those split second decisions or how they're influenced or whatever, because yeah. you don't think. No, exactly. And yeah. it's just, it comes down to the, you're right. You're natural. Like, like, have either of you ever had a gun pulled on you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like, I don't know what the circumstances were. I know mine were not favorable. I had a lot of money and the other guy wanted it. (laughs) And I remember yours, actually. I think you told me that story, but you know, you have to diffuse the moments. Yeah, you have to diffuse the uh you have to diffuse situations really, really quickly. You don't have time to think. Like, so is it luck? Like it would just be really interesting to see how deep in the brain you have to go to figure out that part. And is it nature or nurture? That, that that drives you on your response too, right? Yeah. Uh, is it something that's just instilled? You? I mean, obviously, this boy uh, being so young, it's probably more nature, but possibly nurture as well. But then, you know, when you see adults, how they respond is it something that they learned over time, or is it something that just, like you said, is just deep down inside, right at the beginning. You're either a fighter or a flighter. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's, it's got to be a combination of the two. I mean, you the the kid knew jujitsu or something. You said right? Oh yeah, no, he was. Yeah. yeah so I think that. it. I think yeah, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, it's, but, it's nuts. So, Eric, what do you see for the future, man? What's the rest of 2020 look like for you? Uh, for us, we – so, we you know, the first half of the year has been just crazy busy. We just recently, the beginning of July, brought on a very well-known uh, insurance marketer uh, in our area. Um, she's worked for another agency, and she, she basically is a relationship manager with a lot of lenders and um, realtors in the area has a lot of them that refer business to her. Um, so the place that she was at, she was driving, uh, probably upwards of 250 quote opportunities a month, just Mm. her alone. Um, so we ended up, she's someone that I've talked to for years and, you know, her, her and I bounced back and forth. There was finally an opportunity 
for for me to grab her. Um, so she came on board. So so I think the second half of the year is getting our systems dialed in because we're breaking them again right now. The ones we set up again this year. Yeah. You know, so we we had them feeling good. We just basically threw gasoline on the fire, and now we're trying to you know fix the systems. Um, so for the second half of the year, I see really just focusing on that, but then another, you know, tremendous growth because coupled with, I think just the marketplace right now, I think some of our competitors are sleeping at the wheel right now locally, just because of the COVID thing and just all the other stresses that they're, they're dealing with. Um, so our team, you know, it's, it's a rally cry right now. We see, we see an opportunity to gain some market share and we're, we're, we're going after it here in our, in our region. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the second half of this year. And I'm excited to see really where our agency is. Let's, let's even just say in January from a systems process, we've, We've been spending a lot of time on it. It's it's coming together, and already I'm just every day I'm getting excited seeing it. It's working and flowing and stuff like that. So just you know, rounding all those out. So that's where we're really, really where we're coming from. So I have a question I've been pondering. It's Eric with the K. Your last name looks Vikingish. Do you have like Viking roots or something? Yeah, my uh, so I'm I was born here in California, but yeah, my my great grandparents came over from Norway and Sweden. Um, so I have a lot of family that I have yet to even meet that lives in Minnesota, right? So that's where they all, a lot of them settled. They were all farmers. Oh, really? Um, but yeah, so my grandparents were all born in Minnesota. They moved out here, but, uh, but yeah, we, we definitely have, uh, the Norwegian heritage. Um, you know, at Christmas time, we still cook a lot of Norwegian mills and Swedish mills, uh, mm. that we're still pretty proud of in our, in our family. And, uh, but yes, yeah. So it's, it's Norwegian Swedish, uh, background is what I am. Nice. Interesting. Yeah, that's why that's why a few people call me, you know, as a joke, the Viking, but that's why it's because because of my background. And because I love Funny. the Vikings, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. Was it was that a good show? Oh, it was a great oh, dude. Yeah. It's awesome. It's a great yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. May have to check that out. Oh, yeah. I've been looking I've been looking for something, you know, lately. Feel like there's a void in my life. You know, no more Sopranos, no more Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Do you, you know these like fighting? What's that? You like UFC fighting? Oh yeah, man! I'm on Netflix. No, I think it's on its third season. I just started watching it. I think it's called The Kingdom. Yeah, it's, I haven't heard um, that one. It has. I think one of the Jonas Brothers is one of the actors in it, but it's it is phenomenal. I'm, I just I'm on the huh. second season. I just like everything I do. I just do crazy, so I'm binge watching it like crazy. Late yeah. Night. Um, it's on the second season, but it's 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 a good show. I would highly recommend looking at it. It's on Netflix right now, so I think they're three seasons in on there how about how about netflix has adapted and stepped up their game right oh, yeah. they put they um they're the ones that basically put the video stores like blockbuster and all of them out of business yeah. and they they were starting to face some issues of their own and it seems like they've recovered nicely you know we don't really watch it that much but we have it well yeah it's probably a lot of a lot of people yeah. just like me pay netflix for 10 years and watch it three times a month well when they first started remember they would just mail you the movies and yes and i still yeah, have some of those a little company yeah. called redbox came out and it looked like netflix was going to just collapse right they were they were right. falling apart their stock was falling and all of a sudden they reinvented the whole streaming side and just tore apart everyone at that point well even that but not 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 just that like the Deals they've cut with people like Adam Sandler oh, yeah. and oh, doing movies. you know their exclusive stuff. Their their movies are solid. Yep. Like it's it's been pretty interesting to see that whole thing. Yeah, Apple starting to do that too now. Apple's starting to produce their own movies and content too. Yeah, it's crazy. Again, people, you got to adapt. Yep. Sorry, Directv, you're in trouble. Ugh. Well, it's funny, man, because with the whole Redbox thing, that was short lived. I mean, I, I guess people still get them every now and again, but. My whole idea was I had I had a million. Oh, yeah, I haven't even like idea. seen a red box anywhere in a long go to Wal- time. Go to Walgreens. Wal- Walgreens still. Yeah. Walgreens. They love them. Yeah. I'm a CVS guy. Yeah. I, I, well, look, I had you. Pegged, I had you pegged an hour ago. All right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. But so my multi-million dollar idea was I had a client that was a distributor for um, all of the durable goods necessary to run apartment communities. So I wanted to tag team with them and get old red boxes or ref- and refurbish them and place them at apartment complexes instead of at the Walgreens or whatever else. The people didn't even have to leave if they wanted to watch a movie. They could just scamper down by the mailbox or whatever and then was going to have my client handle the money. As they did their route and just split, you know, split profits with them. 
How often would those be broken into and vandalized, though? I can't imagine any worse than the regular ones would. Well, in an apartment complex opposed to a CVS as security cameras? I mean, you get, you get some 21-year-olds having a party? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't such a great idea after <laughs> all. <laughs> 30, 30 seconds and he just oh, yeah, she's just shit your, your million-dollar idea right down the drain. It was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Cool red box idea, Dave. Yeah. That sucked. Great idea. <laughs> yeah. So, well, with that, all right, Eric. Well, listen, man, we are coming up on an hour. Okay. Everybody who doesn't know you probably wants to at least pick your brain. That's typically how it works. Yep. How do they find you? Yeah. Well, obviously, social media. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, or you can, uh, you know, shoot me an email at Eric with a K, E-R-I-K at skyinsurancegroup.com. But yeah. We definitely love chatting. Um, I've had a lot of people help me along the way and anything I can do to help anybody. Um, I'm an open book. Check out his Facebook scrapbook. Yeah. Go on there. Enjoy. It's, it's fun. Get a cup of coffee, coffee and, and scroll through. <laughs> you know what, Kyle, you would appreciate some of his Facebook posts because they contain fine bourbons. Yes. There we go. I would yeah. very much appreciate that. I would even talk about bourbons. Shoot. No, we could talk about bourbons. I oh, mean, let's forget do, about what, Coors Light. Let's yeah, talk about exactly. bourbon. Yeah, well, I mean, that's where I'm kind of conflicted with you, man. Like you, you like these really good bourbons, but then Coors Light's your go-to beer. It's just, it's just, it's just my go-to. You know, we're we're gonna be out back because IPAs. I love IPAs. Don't I get? I drink everything from a Coors Light to Guinness. So I drink everything. But you're like, if you're gonna go out and pound at the half rack on a Saturday night, yeah. Coors Light's where yeah, it's I can at. I can manage it. I don't. I'm not gonna be. I usually drink that to sober up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your your mother put Coors Light in her bottle. Yeah, Coors Light's my white claw. Exactly. Uh, so. Yeah, awesome. but I mean, so what's the preferred bourbon though? That's we so it's neat over here. They started this uh, this whiskey society or bourbon society. And, uh, and it's, it's actually taken off here locally. There's a, a liquor store owner that's, that's running it and it's just created this, they do these barrel picks they bring in. So it's really exposed me to all the place. Uh, you know, the whistle pig brand came out and did a tasting here locally in Sacramento and that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been riding a lot of their stuff, but, uh, yeah, I'm all, I'm all over the map right now on, on everything. So it's just, it's been, for me, it's right now, I'm just more of an exploration phase of it. Sure. Finding various things, but, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. How about you? I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Eagle Rare. Okay, um, that's some good stuff. Um, and then I mean, I, I like the other Buffalo Trace yeah. um, stuff too. But uh, I mean, if if I'm just making like an old fashioned or something, I'll use Bullet just because it's you know yeah. it's easy and it's it's going in an old fashioned, and that's I don't good. need something to because you're, you're a CVS guy. I mean, yeah. that's what they do pretty much. Right. on it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jefferson's is good. Calumet, I don't know. Good could go go on for days. Yeah, you probably could. I don't know, man. I would say for like the daily, like the daily uh, old fashions, probably four roses okay. would yeah. be the, the small batch. Yep. Yeah. At, at a fifty dollar price point, that's good. Um, the good stuff is Whistle Pig for me. Yeah, I love that. Um, is Blanton's it, is solid. Farm. Oh, the farm. farm or the farm stock. The yeah. Farm stock, yeah. Yeah. That's what I've got at the house right now. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, been rolling out stuff. yeah, absolutely. Well, the last thing we have to talk about, and it's funny, man, because I was actually recording. Uh, Josh Lipstone is doing a new podcast on Jason Cass's uh podcast network called explain this book to me yeah. where essentially he has people who wrote books go on and then they talk to them he asks questions he had that he wished he could get answered oh that's neat it's it's inter- inter- interesting concept but i was recording with him and so he was talking about um in in my book where i was saying you have to wear you know a good pair of shoes or whatever else and he said so tell me, man, what's it look like? What, you know, what, what's the, what's the ideal pair of shoes that you wear? And I'm thinking this is kind of foreshadowing because Eric knows I'm going to bust his, bust his chops a little bit about fine men's, men's footwear. Yeah. But I told him, I'm like, it all depends. Nicaraguan iguana. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it all depends. You know, if I'm going where they have the, uh, 
Tommy Bahama pants and, and shirt, then I'm probably going to go with the Louis V driving shoes yep. and no socks. If I'm meeting with a banker, I'm going to wear closed toed or wingtip Oxfords. You know, if I'm, you gotta, you gotta know the part, man. I yep. told him, I said, look, I, I spend too much money on footwear. This is probably not a good question to ask me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely. That's, that's, I am. That's one of my guilty pleasures, if you will, is I have way too many shoes. Um, but I it started out with those. It started out with air Jordans in 1984. I have tons, yeah. tons of Jordans. I you just actually even, bought some Jordan golf shoes. You weren't even born when I had my first pair of Jordans. So you still get the retro though. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can. It's a, uh, I wonder what those things would be worth today. A thousand. They're worth. I have you ever seen the stock X site that like rates? Yeah. Uh, dude, yeah it's stock market. There's, stuff? I mean, there, yes. there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's, so, there's my, my middle name stock X. Yeah. I have, I, I have the app on my phone. It's, a, it's like, it's like a couple thou. There's, I have a tattoo there, there, of it on my back. There's, there's <laughs> pairs of uh, like like special edition J's that are 15k. Oh yeah, no, I've seen them. Uh, but you I'd be interested them. in knowing what that what the original do. They're on StockX all the time. Don't even uh, the Jordan to, ones. You hey, by the way, you know who's into Jordans hot and heavy? It's Josh Gurley. Yeah, I did see him post something about him. Like he 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 snagged yeah. a pair while he was down here or something. A pair of the the Jordan one all white. Why? Why are you making that face? I'm a dude. Your internet's so awesome. <laughs> oh, your really? internet's your internet's terrible. We got to wrap uh, up. All right, whatever. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, dude. It's been a ple- uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, it's been thanks, great. Thanks for coming on. We'll definitely have you back. I want to have you back next year so we can get the anniversary update and see how yeah. uh, how things are are progressing for you. Yeah. In the meantime, people, he told you where you can find him. Check him out on social. Email him at the address he gave. Otherwise, we'll catch you guys next time. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.